that of our Saviour, Jesus Christ the Lord. And Father, we want to pray that in this last session you'll continue to equip us for this great task of pointing others, leading others towards the one who saves. Thank you for what we've heard so far. Please thrill our hearts with what we're about to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take a seat. And just before I hand over to Randy, uh, I've just had lots of these Christianity Explore cards. I'm just kind of shuffling them up in my hand. This is my equivalent of a, a sort of a raffle. I'm not allowed to say that. I don't know. Um, which, which question gets asked the most? The answer is, how can a loving God send anyone to hell? That's the question that gets asked the most. Let me fan them out. Randy, why didn't you just come and pick one of these for us? So if you didn't win, it's not my fault. <laughs> Paul Thompson? Hey! So if you go to the Christianity Explored stand, they'll sort you out. Uh, Randy, we want to say right at the beginning, thank you. We won't forget to say it at the end, but thank you. Um, the, there are two ways that Brits show their appreciation. One is by being as rude as possible. I'm guessing that, that sort of resonates with your culture as well. But the other way is we applaud in a very British way. So we'd like to thank you very much for serving us so well. So thank you, Randy. <laughs> Well, I, I'm very, very grateful for this opportunity. This has been very, very encouraging for me. Uh, you know, um, over the years, I've seen different motivations uh, that are the things that push people to do outreach. I think for a very long period of time, the major motivation was guilt. I just feel guilty if I don't witness. And so people kind of ran out and, and appeased or got rid of the guilt and then came back in. And, oh, good. Um, and that, uh, surprisingly, that wasn't very effective. <laughs> Go figure. And um, and then there was a period when there was this outpouring of material for apologetics. And we, we got equipped to answer questions. And I'm thinking this is in the 1980s, 1990s in America. I don't know how that uh, translates around the world. But uh, there, was a, there was a point where we just knew all the answers. And we were right. And we were going to win. And pe- people would say things like... Um, they don't have a leg to stand on, as, as if that's what we're trying to do, kick out legs from people. And, um, and so we won arguments and we won debates, but we didn't really win people. And um, that wasn't all that effective either. Today, I find as I travel around and talk to people, I, I'm, I'm seeing more and more and more of this, and I'm greatly encouraged. People are motivated out of compassion. They are concerned deeply about their friends and their co-workers and their neighbors and their their relatives who don't know the Lord, and they're watching their lives unravel and become more and more of a mess. And while that may leave us frustrated and sad and 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 more dependent and, and pleading with God than ever, uh, I think uh, God honors that tremendously. So I'm very, very encouraged by just talking to so many people of their concern for the people around them. Um, let, uh, so there was a, a moment of music here a little bit ago where um, someone uh, uh, tried to tell you that I'm not the Randy Newman who wrote the song um, uh, to um, uh, You've Got a Friend in Me. Uh, there was a period of time when I was using a website, I think it's still up, randydavidnewman.com, and I got a lot of email from people who thought I was the other Randy Newman. And they told me they loved my music, they loved L.A., Los Angeles, because he has a song, I Love L.A. Um, uh, maybe you know he has a song uh, called Short People, which sounds like it's not very nice to short people. 
short people wrote to me and let me know they weren't very happy with that song. Um, I, I've never seen as much profanity in one particular email that I received from someone who told me he was five foot six and that song ruined his life. Um, uh, I, I started coming up. I, I mean, actually, it was kind of exciting. One time I got a, an invitation from a man asking me if I would come sing You've Got a Friend in Me at his daughter's wedding. And, and he told me that he was, quote, a man of means and could make it worth my while. So I said, yes. <laughs> Come on. Then I thought maybe I should probably tell him the rest of the story, and it never happened, so okay. Um, but, but I started, it started happening so much that I thought, wait a minute, this, this is probably a, a witnessing opportunity. I've read about these in books. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, so I, I came up with a standard reply, and it, you know, if you take a closer look at my website, you'll see that I'm not that Randy Newman. I actually try to help people with a different story, and then I shared about uh, connecting people's stories with God's story. I thought it was pretty clever. Most people never wrote back. A few people did. A few Christians wrote back that they're very encouraged by it. A few people actually had some good interchange. There was one guy, though, who was... hmm. Um, uh, not sincere, I think, um, and he wrote me a long manifesto about what's wrong with all the Christians in the world and how stupid it is to believe this stuff, and it was, oh my goodness. And and I responded, and he responded, and went back and forth for, for months. And he he was just really nasty, and it just it wasn't really going anywhere. And um, at, at one point, he, he sent me an email and said, all Christians are hypocrites. And I wrote back, all, question mark? He wrote back, well, all the ones I know, to which I responded, how many do you know? He said, not that many. <laughs> and then at one point, um, I, I just thought, like, this is really not going anywhere. And uh, I, I, I think if, if, I could, if this guy could get into the scriptures, the scriptures could cut through to this guy in a way that, you know, that I couldn't. And so I wrote that to him. I said, you know, I just don't think our conversation is really going anywhere. Uh, if, if you would be willing to read some of the Bible, I would love to interact with you about what you're reading and questions you might have about that. And he wrote back and he said, I don't need the Bible and I don't need the Koran and I don't need any other work of literature. I'm smart enough to figure out truth myself. And I probably shouldn't have done what I did next. <laughs> My wife tells me I crossed a line, but I wrote... I don't see how you could say you're that smart. You came to my website and thought I was the guy who wrote Toy Story. I don't know if that invalidates everything I've said so far today. Let's close in prayer. May the Lord bless you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, it, it, it does raise a serious point of... A lot of evangelism thinking and training and writing assumes that we really do love people. Um, but sometimes we need to ask God to work in us to give us a love for people because some people aren't necessarily lovable or we're not as patient and as kind as we should be. Uh, when, I, when I put together the proposed table of contents for my book, Questioning Evangelism, and put that in a proposal and sent it to the publisher, uh, the publisher was very excited about the book, but they wanted to know about two particular chapter headings, what I was going to say in those chapters, because I don't know if you, you don't send them the whole book, you send them a table of contents, purpose, and, and a sample chapter. But toward the end of my book, I wanted to have not just how do we do this, but what are some of the internal uh, realities that need to be taking place in us. And so I, I wrote a chapter called um, uh, The Question of uh, um, 
The question of compassion or love. Um, what if I don't care that my neighbor's going to hell? And then the next chapter was the question of anger. What if I really want my neighbor to go to hell? And they called me on the phone and said, are we just trying to find out where you're going with this? And, I, and you know, why do you want to include that in a book on evangelism? And I said, because I struggle with this kind of stuff. And I don't think I'm alone. So let's not just assume that we actually have the love that's necessary to deliver a message of the most amazing love. And let's ask God to work in us and, and break us and remake us so that we're the kind of people whose very demeanor, facial expression, and tone is in, uh, in line with the words that we're saying. Um, I want to uh, give one more uh, idea about uh, a visual image of what this can look like. So we've tried to say the A to Z thing. I've tried to say the, the uh, leveling the playing field, the stepping on the clutch before shifting gears. Here's one more, and it's facing the same direction. What I mean is, very often, evangelism is like this. Two people at each other kind of arguing or disagreeing, and it looks like a a conflict. And very often it needs to be that. I, I mean, it doesn't need to be ugly, but very often this is the reality of it. But sometimes if we can turn so that we're both shoulder to shoulder looking at the same thing, look at that. Isn't that wonderful? Now, the most obvious application is that of looking at the Bible. Let's, let's look at the Bible. Let's look at the Jesus in the Bible. Let's look at what he says and how he works, whatever. So that, that's, that's the genius and, and the beauty of Christianity Explored. You get people into the Bible, reading it and looking at it together. Isn't that something? Do you see that? That just changes the dynamic from this to this. Um, I want to give a... Um, so, but very often there, there are a whole lot of other things that we look at uh, side by side, shoulder to shoulder, the same thing. And I want to I point out in uh, Scripture from this. Take a look at Acts chapter 14. Um, I don't know if you have a Bible or on your phone, but Acts 14, beginning in verse 14. You may remember Acts 14 uh, has a, a section in there in Lystra and Derby, and this is the place where Paul and Barnabas go, and they're preaching the gospel, and people start... Um, worshiping Paul and Barnabas because Paul and Barnabas do this great healing work and so they think these must be Greek gods. By the way, just to put this in a little bit of context, um, very often we, we study different approaches to evangelism by comparing Acts 13 with Acts 17. And that's very important to do. In Acts 13, Paul is preaching a sermon in a synagogue. He's preaching to religious Jewish people. And so he just starts with the history of Israel and shows how that brings uh, uh, the coming of the Messiah. So he's talking to people who already believe in God. They already believe in the scriptures. They already believe in God's sovereign hand in the nation of Israel. And so he just picks up where their assumptions take them and then takes it to the gospel and the coming of the Messiah. In Acts 17, by contrast, he's talking to a whole bunch of secular philosophers who do not necessarily believe in God, do not necessarily believe in the scriptures. And so Paul constructs a very, very different kind of talk to Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. And he's quote, he quotes their poets. It's brilliant. He quotes their poets, the people who, who, who have lines like, in him we move, live and move and have our being. We need to be able to quote the poets of our day. Um, and uh, we don't, uh, the, for the most part, at least where, I'm, where I come from, they're not necessarily poets, but they're songwriters and movie makers. 
Those are the people shaping the affections of our world. I'm not saying you have to go to see every single movie. That would be horrible. Don't do it. But you need to know the movies that people are watching, and you need to know the songs that they're listening to that are shaping their very beings. And you need to be able to quote, particularly when that quote is something that we can find truth in. It's again, it's like this. of Look at, look at that quote, in him we live and move and have our being. Um, and, and, well, you know, that's, that's right. Um, he quotes one of their po- poets who says, we are his offspring. Now, if you really want to push that theologically, well, that's not exactly what we would want to say, but it's close enough that Paul can use it and point to it and say, well, you know, since we are his offspring, and then talk about what it means to be a person and what it means to connect with God. So that's Acts 13 and Acts 17. But so here's a place that I, I've read through a bunch of times and, and didn't quite grasp it. It's another approach to tailoring the gospel to a unique audience. In Acts 13, it's religious Jewish people. In Acts 17, it's non-religious secular people. In Acts 14, they're religious, but not Jewish. They're religious in a pagan kind of way. They believed in the supernatural, and they believed that Paul and Barnabas must be Zeus and Hermes because they just healed this person. But then look at how Paul then uses that setup for talking about the gospel. He says in verse, uh, the text says, Acts 14, verse 14, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, friends, we are doing, why are you doing this? We too are only human, like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all the nations go their own way. Yet, he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you, watch this, rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your heart with jo- hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Do you see what this is? He's pointing to good things that they have in their human experience. Crops, rain, joy in your hearts, food. I love this. This has got to be the best news in the world to a Jewish believer. Food as a, as a, as a pre-evangelistic strategy, it's looking at food and saying, isn't it delicious? Isn't, isn't, what kind of a God would give us such variety of different food just for our enjoyment? He must be a really good God. Wouldn't we want to get to know him better? Or look at, look at marriage and family and relationship. There's all sorts of good things that God gives even to unsaved people. You know the, the theological category, right, of common grace and God's general revelation? Many of us know about um, pointing out um, misery in people's lives. This is misery-based apologetics. I'm trying to say Acts 14 argues for joy-based apologetics. Now, please, don't dismiss misery-based apologetics. I think there's a place for that. I think that's exactly what Jesus was doing in John chapter 4 when he talked to the woman at the well. Aren't you thirsty? The water you're drinking doesn't, it still leaves you thirsty. Wouldn't it be great if there's a kind of water that never left you thirsty? And by the way, you're not experiencing it. Your life is miserable. The five husbands didn't work out. So there's a time for misery-based apologetics. And we do need to say to people, listen, you've tried this, you've tried this. It's not working, is it? You're miserable, aren't you? And that's a great route. Um, The problem is it doesn't always work because sometimes we say to people, aren't you miserable? And they go, no, I'm really not. 
And uh, so, I mean, aren't, 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 aren't you lacking things in life? Well, no, not really. I just got this great job. It really pays well. My girlfriend loves me. I mean, no, things are really great. Well, isn't there a God-shaped vacuum inside of you? What are you talking about, man? That's like weird. What is your problem? Well, I mean, isn't, isn't life annoying? Well, it's sure getting that way the more you keep talking. In those cases, we need to be ready for joy-based apologetics and say, aren't there some things in life that are just really great? Um, it, isn't, isn't music uh, almost promising a kind of transcendence? Um, music was my God before I became a Christian. Um, it's a wonderful gift. It's a lousy God as so many, many, many things of gifts of God are. And so what we need to say to people, music is a pointer, but you make it your God, and it'll, it'll drive you nuts, and it'll be miserable, and it'll be disappointing. Every con- concert will be terribly disappointing. But if you remember that it's a pointer to something, oh, and, and what is it a pointer to? So that, that image, I'm hoping this works for you, the idea of let's turn and look in this direction, whether it's at the scriptures, whether it's let's talk about who Jesus was, let's talk about different opinions that people have about Jesus and say why those opinions probably aren't right, but here's what the scriptures say. Or let's look at these gifts and these beautiful things that God uh, provides. I'm hoping this is getting the wheels turning. Um, we're we're going to do a listening exercise in here, but let me tell you one more story about this A to Z kind of thing. Um, so what we've said is that evangelism is on this side of the spectrum, that very precise verbal proclamation of the gospel message about God, people, Jesus, response. And, and so that's, and that's, that's very, very important. And there's all sorts of discussions around here um, that are hopefully moving in this direction. Well, one of the things that I think we might want to entertain is to talk about this idea of that response even before we get there. To give people a vision of what, what would it be like to become a Christian? Um, when, when, we, when we say to people that you need to respond, something we, we sometimes, I think we need to sketch out, you know, what would that look like? You know, for, and it's, it's a number of different images. For some people, it's, it's uh, being born again. For some people, it's being broken and repentant. Uh, uh, C.S. Lewis was a genius at coming up with all sorts of different analogies about this. Becoming a Christian is like waking up after a long slumber and then suddenly realizing that you're awake. Uh, becoming a Christian is like uh, toy soldiers becoming real people. Uh, becoming a Christian is like making a U-turn. Becoming a Christian is... And, and come up with a lot of different analogies and talk about it even though you know that the people in your... Bible study or discussion group or just, you know, as you get to know them, that that they're not there yet. But give them a picture of what that looks like. Does that make sense? Are you following that? Um, uh, I did a whole lot of research, and uh, I guess I've already told you about this, where I interviewed people who were brand new Christians. And I I was speaking at a student retreat one time, and I said, I'm doing this research project where I'm going to interview people who are brand new Christians. And so if you've become a Christian within the last two years, I'm going to pass around a clipboard. If you would just sign your name and put your email address, I'll get in touch with you. We'll find time to interview you. I just have to be honest with you, though, I'm probably not going to get to this for about six months. That's what I said. Just knowing where I'm at, I, I probably won't be contacting you for six months. So, okay. So, the clipboard goes around. I got about a dozen names or whatever. There was a guy there who had been witnessing to his friend who came on the retreat, but the friend was not a Christian. And so, here's a Christian guy. Here's a non-Christian. When the clipboard comes, the non-Christian signs his name. 
And the crusade is like, So at the, the next break, he said, so, 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 did, you, did you become a Christian this weekend? No. Did you become a Christian last week? No. Well, we just talked a week ago, and you weren't a Christian. Then did you, well, when did you become a Christian? He says, I haven't become a Christian. Well, then why did you sign up? He said, well, he said he's not going to get to this for about six months. I think in six months I will be a Christian. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> Who would have ever thought of, uh, well, if you're, if, you're, if you're likely to become a Christian, sign up. We're going to contact you in six months. See how that's going. I don't know. Why not? All right. So I've been doing all the talking. Uh, I need you to do some talking. Uh, we need to do some listening exercises because... Um, we all need to grow in this area of listening. So here's what I want to do. I want you to pair up with someone. Ideally, I would like you to pair up with someone, uh, men with men, women with women. Um, and ideally, it would be great if you could get into a conversation partner with uh, someone that you don't really know that well. So uh, that's they laughed at that. I, I didn't think that was funny. Okay, well, all right. Um, so here's, so I want you to do, get in, get together with someone and decide, you gotta do this in less than a minute, okay? So decide who's going to be partner A and who's gonna be partner B. Ready, go. Okay, and stop. So we're going to do, and stop. And so we're going to do a bunch of different listening exercises and things, and I'm going to be really rude and being interrupting you all the time. So when you hear me say, and stop, and I close my, clap my hands, you, you have to resist. So are you all okay in groups of, of two or three? Um, are, are you okay like that? Really? Oh, okay, because we're going to be doing this for a while. Uh, that may not be all that comfortable. We have chairs. Oh, oh, there we go. Okay, good, 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 good. All right, so here's what we want. I want partner A to uh, start talking about something, anything. It doesn't matter. Don't go too long. Just talk a little bit, maybe 30 seconds. And then partner B can only respond by asking a question. A talks, B asks a question. A talks, B asks a question. I'm going to let you go for about a minute or so. So you got it? Now, just, just to let you know, in case you're wondering, the question should be about something that they're talking about. I'm glad to hear you laugh. Someone actually asked that once. I was doing this. And do, do, do we have to be asking about what they're talking about? Ideally, yeah. Why don't we try that? Okay. So ready, go. So A talks, B asks questions, go. <clears throat>
Okay. And stop. I know you're all very frustrated because uh, you wanted to go longer. I know. That was just one minute. I wanted you to get an idea of what one minute of conversation is. I, I always find that there's a lot more that can happen in a minute. Is, isn't that true? So um, let me ask, So how many of you found this to be difficult? Anybody? A few. Anybody find this to be very easy? How about me? Who's not voting? Never mind. Okay. Um, all right. So let me let me hear some feedback from you. What was what was difficult, or what did you observe about it? Raise your hand. Let me call on you and hear. Let me just hear. What was what was that experience like? Good, bad, difficult, easy. easy. Yes. Way in the back. Right. I, okay, granted, this is an artificial exercise, I know. Re- I mean, you know, ready, start. I mean, I, I know. Um, well, we'll get into it more. So, yes, that, that is a little difficult. Hopefully some of you are not thinking about, uh, I'm going to switch it, by the way. So B is going to talk and A is going to ask questions. So if you're B, you might be thinking, well, what am I going to talk about? Um, by the way, I should have warned you about this. Um, this would not be the place for, like, really heavy problems. <laughs> So, so this is this is not psychotherapy training. I had a dysfunctional childhood. Nah, probably uh, uh, not now. Okay. So, other thoughts. Someone over here had their hand up. Yes. Oh, are you, so people around you were, were distracting. Yeah. Well. Yeah, that is a problem. Um, just shout louder. I don't, yeah, um, I don't know what to do about that. Sorry. Yes, over here. Uh, were you in A or B? A? Oh. Anybody else feel like they ran out of material? Oh. Okay, so, um, um, no, seriously, we, we need to think of, we need to observe ourselves in conversations. Some of us do most of the talking and we dominate. And we probably need to try to try to hold back and try to draw the other person out. Some of us never say anything or say very little. And we probably need to ask the Lord to push us to give us strength in him to reveal more of ourselves. So you just need to kind of know who you are. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Um, maybe just some standard things of if you're tra- talking about yourself, where are you from, your family, what kind of things you do. Uh, as a job or as your main occupation, what kind of things you like to do when you have free time. Those would be the kind of things. So this is good. This is going to push some of you to, to try to share more. That, that's good. Thank you for being willing to tell us that. Um, other observations or problems? Yes? I have to listen specifically, not to what you think the person's going to say. Yeah, isn't that, isn't that a pain? Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> no, you really have to listen. By the way... Um, I'm convinced the more I do this and the more I I listen to people, um, there are a lot of conversations that really aren't conversations. They're they're not really dialogues. This would be a dialogue. They're really simultaneous monologues. This person's talking. This person's just waiting until they stop so that they can then do their thing. And then it's back and forth. And what we're trying to develop is to make it really more of an exchange where people... And so you really have to listen. And you need to be careful that you don't decide ahead of time what they're saying before they actually say it and then miss what they're really saying. So it requires listening. So uh, good. All right. So let's switch. B talks and A asks questions. Ready? Go. 
<clears throat> oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to scare you. Okay. There you go. All right. Once again, that was just one minute. Um, so let me hear from you. What was, what did, what did you experience? What was hard? What was, what did you learn about yourself? What did you learn about the process? Any kind of observations? Time goes quicker when, when I didn't quite hear that. <clears throat> when you're doing the talking. Ah, how many of you would agree with that statement? Time goes faster when you're doing the talking. How many of you would say time went quicker when I was doing the asking the questions? Isn't that interesting? How many of you, now that you've been in both roles, how many of you liked being the talker better than being the asker? How many of you like being the asker better than the talker? Isn't that something? Uh-huh. So, again, we're trying to learn from each other. But By the way, um, <clears throat> I... Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated with the whole topic of conversation. There are all sorts of people who are studying it today. Uh, they're saying it's a dying art. We're losing our ability to converse well. There are lots of people studying the effect of technology and cell phones on our communication. Uh, there was an article, a cover story to the Atlantic Monthly a while ago that said, um, uh, is Facebook making us lonely? This followed an article they had two years before, is Google making us stupid? And they spelled stupid, S-T-O-O-P, like, like, like Google was. Um, and, and the answer in both of the articles was yes. Um, but, but, but we're more connected by social media than ever, and yet we're, we feel less connected to people. And, and several people are saying what we're missing is good face-to-face extended conversation. And um, it's not that hard to develop skills in this area, but you have to be intentional about it. Uh, there's a great study by an MIT uh, professor, Sherry Turkle. It's called Reclaiming Conversation. You don't have to read the whole book because it's lengthy, but if you find an article-length treatment online or a, a TED Talk I think she gave, she says that, that we may be losing the ability to converse because of technology, but she's not a pessimist. We can reclaim it. But we have to be intentional. And one of the things that they studied and did research and found, the level of conversation and the level of intimacy was thwarted terribly, even when people just had their phones out on the table. Even if the phone never rang or never buzzed or nothing, just the very presence of seeing it out of the corner of your eye could stifle the level of communication. So some of us need to have times when we keep the phone off or in our pocket. I'm not anti-technology. I, need, I, I use my phone all the time. But there are times when we just need to say, okay, this is off limits. And with some relationships, we need to say to people, I wonder if we could have um, some phone-free conversations. Some people will, will uh, resent it. You'll be amazed at how many people will be relieved. I've been teaching in classrooms at, at an undergrad school and at a, a, a seminary level. And the first night I announced that you're not allowed to have phones out or not even have, not allowed to have technology. No, no laptops, no iPads, nothing. And when I first started saying this, they thought I was joking. Uh, they, they really did. But, but now more and more of them, oh, no, no, lots of professors. No, that's good. I like that. Less distraction. So you may find that people are more open to it. 
Anyway, other observations about this process so far? Yes. Oh, you don't get asked the questions you want to be asked. Interesting. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Keep chatting. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Other thoughts? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so why don't I let you go longer this time? All right, take a half an hour. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Some people had... Huh. So, um, let's go for two minutes. Let's go back to A, sharing. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Let, let, let's, let's, let's ramp this up a little bit. Um, okay, so there's a lot of different kinds of questions. Some questions are just looking for information. Um, but other questions are going a little bit deeper. Some of you are really nervous right now, aren't you? We've locked the doors. You can't leave. Ha ha. Um, so, um, uh, let's just say person A says... Uh, boy, on my way here, I just got stuck in a whole lot of traffic. Uh, it really took me a lot longer to get here than I thought it would. Maybe that doesn't happen around here. Where I live in Washington, D.C., that's all we talk about. Uh, so, uh, so, okay, uh, so, so part, person B might ask questions like, where were you coming from? Uh, how long did it take? How long did you think it would take? Uh, what, was there an accident? Okay, that's information. And that's great. That's important. But sometimes we may, after a while, be able to go a little bit deeper of, well, what was that like? Was that frustrating? How do you typically handle that stuff? Uh, what, what were the emotions involved? Again, I can see it on some of your faces, like, emotions? Really? You have to? No, you don't have to. But some of you are like, oh, finally, good. So uh, I'll, I'll leave that up to you. So A talks and B psychotherapy. No, B asks questions. Ready, go.
Okay. And stop. And it always gets tougher and tougher to get you to stop. I think that's wonderful. I really do. That was two minutes. How many of you thought that was like way too long? No? No? Oh. Oh, you all like... Okay. How many of you are still talking? I'm, ta I'm talking now. You have to listen. This is a listening exercise. Uh, all right. Let me hear. What, what were your observations now? What was that like? Someone I haven't heard from yet. Yes. Yeah, it's getting easier. You you really can get to know each other um, with intentional asking and drawing out. Good. In the back there, someone. Yes. <laughs> okay. Seriously, it. Um, uh, no, I, I'm really serious. Uh, is 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 this? Um, is this unusual for you? No. Okay, so the, the reason why I say that is um, a lot of people find out a whole lot about themselves by hearing themselves talk. A whole lot of people discover things about themselves that they didn't realize until someone kept asking them questions. And so sometimes it can be a magnificent way of showing love and respect and also helping people figure out what they believe. Um, I, I mean, it, 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 isn't it just so intriguing where Jesus uh, said to Peter, well, who do people say that I am? Who do you, who do you say that I am? Um, in my interview process, I, I, I had to do, well, I decided I was going to do interviews all for at least 45 minutes to an hour because they've done research and they find out, and, and my experience bore this out, there are things that came to the surface after about 35 minutes that people just didn't remember or didn't realize before. It was almost uncanny. I could be watching the clock, and at 35 minutes, I, at least half of the f close to 50 people I interviewed said something like, oh, wait, wait, I just remembered something. I can't believe I left this out. Or they would say, oh, well, that, wait a minute. Well, I just figured out that, that my high school teacher said the same thing in my college roommate. I don't, I don't think I saw that before. Or I would ask, well, now, so what was, what was going on inside of you when, when that was happening? And they would go, oh my, I, I mean, I, I don't think I realized it before, but that, that may be like, that was like one of the, the most difficult moments of my life. People realize things when you draw things out. What we're trying is, what we're trying to, break the cycle, so to speak, of a lot of conversations just being like a tennis match. Boom, 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 boom. And sometimes what we're doing is let's, let's keep the focus there. And by asking a question, we leave the attention there and, and it allows people to think. By the way, I, I hope you can become increasingly more comfortable with silence. Sometimes you ask a question and the person goes, oh, I, I, um... And, and you need to let them, you need to give them time, and they may discover things. I have I, I think some people move on this A to Z scale almost by hearing themselves talk. Now I'm not saying they're going to lead themselves to the gospel because the gospel still needs to be proclaimed, and it's going to be a mes message different than they would just come up with on their own. But some people realize, you know what? I I really am interested in spiritual things. I just don't think I ever realized it. Good. Other observations about this process? Yes, here. Aha. Uh -huh. 
More questions because we went longer, you mean? Yes. And yes, and you can use this to redirect. Now, um, in some cases, that can be manipulative. <laughs> I, I don't want you to do that. But we can use questions to move things in a direction, which I hope we can do kindly and gently. Good. Other, other observations? Any others? Yes, here. Oh, good. It's easier to come up with a question rather than a response. Now, now sometimes we need to come up with responses, for sure. Um, but uh, sometimes by asking the question that draws out more information or draws out more of what they're thinking or feeling. Good. Yes, here. Right. Right. So there's, there's two, to way, two different ways you can do that. One is you express the empathy, but it still leaves it for them in, in their court, so to speak. Um, so it's they share something and you say, oh, that sounds difficult, or that sounds wonderful, or I'm, I'm really happy for you. That sounds great. That, that, that's a statement, not a question, but it, it functions in the same way of gets them to talk more. Or you can use the statement to yank the subject away from them. <laughs> and I'm trying to help us break that so that it's not always me too or oh yeah or that's like. <laughs> I have this one friend, he's always that's like. And, you know, I'll be talking about something. He says, well, that's like. And then what he means is I want to talk now about me. <laughs> and there's so very often I want to say, no, actually, it's not like that at all. Uh, uh, so it's a tug of war. Um, so um, I was doing this training one time and I said, so, so we need to be careful that we're not always talking about ourselves and yanking the conversation away from them so we could talk about themselves. And I am not kidding. A woman in the front row raised her hand. And before I could even call on her, she said, I do that all the time. <laughs> well, uh, perhaps this will be helpful. Uh, <laughs> people behind her who knew her were like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Okay, so... All right, so let's switch, right? That's where we're back. B is going to talk. A is going to ask questions. We're going to go for about two minutes, um, right? Is that what we're up to? Yes. Ready, go. Sorry, so you're getting up after me, is that right? 4.15-ish or so? Oh, so when do you want to be up? Oh, so I, I should be done by... I thought I was done at 4.15. I can be done earlier. 
All right, so. Okay. And stop. All right, one more time. Let me hear. What was that like? Someone I haven't heard from yet. What, what, uh, what's this experience been like? Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay, great. <laughs> Sorry. Becoming friends and you just met each other. Ah, oh, lovely. Wonderful. Good. Others. Oh, great. Really great. By the way, um, it's okay to ask questions to try to clarify what people mean and to not get it right. It's really okay. So let's just say someone... Um, I'm trying to think of an example. They're, they're, they're talking about a frustration they have with their family member or something. And so you say, uh, so you really don't like this family member? And they go, no, 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 I didn't say that. No, I, I, I really like him a lot. That's probably why it's a problem. So, so you were wrong in a sense. That's really okay. It really is. It shows them you really want to understand. And if you get it wrong, that it's really okay. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, so so you do like them. You do care about them. But you just find this aspect of it frustrating. So I want to encourage you, ask those questions. And, and don't, don't, don't be fearful like, oh, what if I get this wrong? Um, even if you get it wrong, it's a good thing. Because it's showing that you care enough about them that you don't want to yank this away. Um, one other thought. I do see the hand. One other thought is, I'm not saying in all your conversations you should only ask questions. <laughs> After a while, people will hit you. Uh, so, so, so I'm not saying only ask questions. I'm, I am trying to develop uh, a mindset of let's, let's not make it this kind of tennis match thing back and forth. I talk, they talk, I talk, they talk. But it's they talk, let me hear more, let me draw them out. I do think, there's, this is no guarantee, and it's not every single time, but in a lot of cases, the more you listen and draw them out, the more they will listen to you. They'll, some of them will be amazed. My goodness, you actually care about me. So, yes, question or comment here. Right. So I think some of us are fearful of being uncomfortable in that situation. I, I think you, you should try experimenting and doing this more and more. I think you'll find that it's not as bad as we may fear. So I, I really do think we can ask a question or, or assume we understand something and they go, no, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. Um, so it was, okay, I'm sorry, let me, let me, uh, so, so what was that like? Or can you explain that a little bit further? So are you saying this? So are you saying, am I hearing you correctly? Those are, those are good words to help people understand. I, I think we have this assumption that communication just works perfectly by this person says, and this person's got it. And this person says this, and this person's got it. And that's rarely the case. It's more like I got maybe 50% of what you were saying, but uh, not. And again, I think it's showing a kind of compassion for the person that you want to hear more. So, other comments?
Yes, here. Right. So body language, facial expression, level of energy. Um, uh, sometimes people say yes and everything in their other uh, body is saying no. You know, so how are you doing? I'm fine. Oh, uh, so how, so how are things going today? It's all right. Um, was yesterday better than today? Well, I don't know if I really want to talk about Oh, okay. I mean, so um, we, we need to listen for tone of voice, facial expression. And, and, and by the way, if people don't want to talk about it, uh, sometimes saying, um, well, uh, okay, uh, I, I, I won't pry, but if you ever do want to talk about it, I'd be glad to listen. That says a lot to people, so... Uh, by the way, there's there's also prep work in this of really um, feeding on the wonderful grace that we have in the gospel. How amazing is it that God um, uh, revealed himself to us, uh, sent his son to die for us, convicted us of our sin, welcomed us as his child. The, the more we reflect on that, we have... We have a, a, a stability, a, a depth in our, our relationship with the Lord that becomes a, a platform from which uh, to be f- strong in our encouragement to other people. It's, it's a reservoir that we draw upon. When I'm impatient with people, I have to say, Lord, would you help me remember how patient you've been with me? When people are saying unkind things, I think, I, 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 I'm like that a bunch. And look at how tender God is toward me. Um, there's a lot of internal preaching of the gospel to ourselves so that out of that is this flow of the grace and love and compassion of our great God. I, I'm, I, I'm convinced of this. There are a whole lot of people, they, they've never even heard that tone of voice. Uh, everything that they've heard has been harsh or unkind. Um, uh, we, we can... We can uh, pave the way for a gospel presentation with, with a gospel flavor encounter with people before we even get to the specific words. By the way, I'm not saying we don't need to get to the specific words. We really do. So we don't, we don't have to be just kind to people, but we sh- certainly should be kind to them. Other thoughts? Yes, here. So you're, you're finding that you have a lot in common? Is that what you said? Yeah. Did you know that before? Oh, isn't that nice? Great. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so I got one more assignment. This one's going to take a little bit longer. You remember like, like 27 hours ago when Rico was up here starting and he said, I want you to think about one non-believer and one believer. Do you remember this? And so I want you now to have a conversation with the person you've been talking to about who is that one non-believer? Who is it? And um, how are you going to regularly pray for that person? 
Maybe you already have a system of prayer that you just need to keep being steady with that. Maybe you've never put together some kind of system where you have a list of names of non-believers on a card that you keep in your Bible or something. So I want you to do a little kind of brainstorming of how can I make prayer for non-believers a regular part of my life? Um, yeah, let's just do that that much. So I want you to both take a turn saying, who's that one person and how are you regularly praying for them or how do I need to implement a system for prayer? Good? Does that make sense? Ready, go. Okay. All right. Did you both get to share? Did everybody? Did everybody get to tell both sides? All right. Good. So, all right. One more assignment. Oh, you still didn't get to it? No. Okay. <laughs> what are you two doing? <laughs> I hope that was okay. All right. So, listen. So, so next is. I want you to brainstorm what, what's one step you can now take with that person? What's the next thing you can do? Um, maybe it's, boy, I haven't, I haven't talked to them in forever. I need to send them an email and reconnect. Or maybe it's, I see them all the time, but we never really talk. I, maybe I should say, why don't we get together for coffee or lunch? Or maybe it's you've talked a lot and uh, you need to... Um, uh, have a, a, a Y to Z conversation. Maybe it's, oh, I found this book uh, at this conference, and, you know, that's the person I want to give that book to. So I want you to brainstorm together. What are some next steps you can take with that person you've been talking about? Good? Uh, uh, yes? Okay, go.
Okay. All right. Okay, so one more minute to wrap up anything you want to say to the other person. One minute. Ready to go. And then we're done. Well, you're done. I'm It's a listening exercise. Okay, and we're done. Well, we're not done, but okay. Um, I hope this was helpful. I hope it'll change some of the ways you, you go about conversing. Uh, I hope you've figured out some things about yourself and your own style, and um, uh, may the Lord use this in good ways. Let me wrap this up with one last story, and then we're going to have a song and a few announcements. But so, uh, one last story to encourage you. Um, in this book that I just wrote, Unlikely Converts, I begin and end the book with a story. Um, I change people's names, so this guy I call Lawrence, and I love to refer to the story as Lawrence and the Pigs. Lawrence was a college student, a very, very bright college student, double major on a scholarship, doing really well at a very, very, very good university. And um, he was invited in one of the early parts of the school year to come to an event where some smart guy was going to answer any questions you had about God and the Bible. And Lawrence was a skeptic. Lawrence thought uh, anybody who was religious or particularly Christian was not very intelligent. And so he decided he would go to this event strictly for the purpose of making a fool of the speaker. He came. What he told me was he remembered that he was very mean and that people were very nice to him. 
But he had it as his full intent to embarrass as many of the Christians as possible by asking a question that the smart guy and all the other people in the room couldn't answer. And so the person gave a presentation about some things and then opened it up for question and answer. And, oh, by the way, uh, he said, I only went for two reasons. One was to make fun of people. The other was there was free pizza. So I went for the pizza as well as this. And so when it came time for the Q&A, he raised his hand and he says, um, well, what about aliens? Speaker said, uh, I'm sorry, what do you mean? He says, what about aliens? If there are aliens on other planets or other solar systems, doesn't that negate your whole Christian thing? Because God obviously didn't have a Bible going to them. Doesn't aliens negate your whole Christian thing? And I love what the speaker said. The speaker said, hmm, I don't really know much about aliens. I'm sorry, I probably can't help you. Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, I just don't know a lot. I just haven't read about it. I don't know about aliens. Um, I, I think if there are, if there are aliens on other planets or whatever, God probably has some way of connecting with them. I, I, I just don't know. I'm really sorry. But, um, you know, you seem like the kind of person who would be interested in these kind of discussions. We're starting this eight-week series next week on a study. It was Christianity Explored, the Gospel of Mark discussion. So I, I think you might, might enjoy it. You might benefit. You ought to come to it. <laughs> so he did. And he... he he came, again, for the purpose of making fun of Christians and embarrassing them. He said, I was mean and nasty for at least the first four weeks. But every single week, we're involved in the Bible and listening or whatever. And starts, he starts wrestling with it and starts thinking about it. And three months later, I believe it was, he became a Christian. When I did my interviews, toward the end, I, I asked the question, was there any major obstacle that you had in coming to faith? And he said, no, not really. Oh, yeah, 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 there is. There's this one question, yeah. You remember that story with Jesus and the pigs? You know, he casts the demons out of the man, the demons, and he puts them in the pigs, and all the pigs go over the cliff, and he kills all the pigs. What's up with that? That's what he said. What did Jesus have against pigs? Now, I, again, I'm doing research. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, really? This is what's holding you back from eternal life? Uh, even, if, even if I wasn't Jewish, I don't have a lot of sympathy for the pigs. I don't know. I, uh, really? Um, and I said, oh, okay, so did you ask the leader that question? He goes, yeah, yeah. I said, what, what did he say? He said, well, the first thing he said was, hmm, I don't know. I went, oh, that's a bad start. He goes, no, that was great. It was great. It was great that he said, I don't know. Because I had this idea that Christians are a bunch of know-it-alls, and that was good. And, and then, then he said, well, um, I guess we should probably not mess around with demons. And uh, I guess there must be something very different about being a person or being a pig. And I went, oh, so did that, did that work for you? Was that a good enough answer? He goes, yeah, I, I thought it was a pretty good answer. Um, he said, but you, know, you have to understand, I, I came from a place where people told me to stop asking questions. I asked too many questions. I was too smart. I, was, I thought too much. And, and they did, uh, you asked too many questions. They said, if you just believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he'll take care of all your questions. Stop asking questions. And he said, I, I grew up hearing that thinking, well, that's the stupidest thing in the world. If, if that's what your religion is, I don't want any part of it because it's a religion for stupid people. So when I asked this question and the guy thought about my question seriously and gave me a pretty decent answer, I went, oh, I guess it's okay to ask my questions. And, and I guess there are probably answers for a whole lot of my other questions. So I said, so did you then ask him a whole lot of questions? He said, no, I didn't need to. I, I just figured there probably were decent answers. 
So, so he, so he became a Christian. I'm interviewing him about a year later than that. When I decided to put this story into a book, I wanted to get back in touch with him to see if I was remembering the story correctly. So I got together with him five years later. We had lunch together. By now he had graduated, had this great job, was doing really well. He was involved in a really great church and was growing. And so I got together, you know, showed him what I had written up and all that kind of stuff. And he said, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot. I've been thinking about that, that story in the Bible and that night at that, at that meeting. Um, I, I think I think there was a, another reason. He, he said, "I don't think I realized this till about a year ago. I didn't know it when it happened. I didn't know it when you interviewed me that time. I think I just came to this about a year ago. But there was a, there was a bigger reason why I was drawn to that story. It wasn't about the pigs. It was about the man. That that guy was in chains. He was cutting himself. He was doing all sorts of horrible, terrible things to himself. He said, I, I was drawn to that story because of the man." He said, I, I was drawn to that story because I was that man. He said, I was doing stuff to myself that was worse than cutting myself. I was, I, I was doing horrible stuff. And when we read that story, I was drawn to it because of the man. He said, again, I, I, I don't think I realized that until about a year ago. Isn't that wonderful? God's word penetrates even past what people even realize is going on in their own lives. There's the question that he asked, and that's, you know, what's up with the pigs? There's the question behind that of, am I, is it okay for me to ask questions? But there are all sorts of other issues behind that of deep, deep pain and cutting and destructive things. And God's word penetrates there. Isn't that great? So when we invite people to a course, a Bible study, to come to church, whatever, we, we don't know all the drama happening back here. They may not even know all the drama back out here, but God does. And the gospel is good news on every single one of those lessons, uh, levels, isn't it? So, will you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, for the people you place around us who don't know you. It's no accident that they live next door or they have the desk next to ours at work or their kid plays in the same playground with our kid or a million other things. None of that is an accident or outside of your sovereign hand. Would you work in those people's lives and make them hungry for the gospel? Would you work in our lives and make us compassionate toward them? Would you give us wisdom? Your word says that if we ask for wisdom, you'll grant it. Would you give us wisdom about what to say, what to ask, what book to give, what website to point them to? And would you work in miraculous ways for the sake of your kingdom? And we pray this in the name of our King, King Jesus. Amen. It's been wonderful to be with you today. Thanks. Oh, you scared me. Don't move. Uh, Randy, you've really blessed us today. We're going to bless you, probably by paying you. We weren't sure at the beginning of the day, but I think now we've decided we we will. Um, But we'd love to bless you by praying for you. How can we pray for you, brother, at the moment? Just give us one or two headlines. Well, I'm doing this again in Edinburgh on Saturday, so I I need some energy. Um, Um... I'd love it if you if you would pray for my family. My my family is all scattered in different places. Um, my youngest son is far from the Lord. I'd love to. I just saw him in London the other day. It was crazy that he happened to be here the same time as me, and we had a great time. But he's far from the Lord. So. That's we pray for you now? Please. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you've blessed us richly through our brother today. Thank you for all that we've heard and learned. We want to pray for him now. You've heard the cry of his heart. We want to pray for him to have a good rest tomorrow and energy for Saturday. May that truly be another day of a blessing up there in Edinburgh, we pray, as people gather. And we want to pray for his family. Thank you so much for the stories we've heard today of family members who have turned to Christ. 
Thank you for these extraordinary tokens of grace and works of wonder, miracles that you have done. And Father, please, we pray for his son, for his brother, for others in the family too. Father, please have mercy on them too, we pray. In Jesus' name, Mm. amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Randy. We're very, very grateful. Thank you.